Electronic medical records and patient portals are becoming a necessary tool for hospitals and healthcare providers to deliver care in today's world. But implementing, managing, and maintaining a functional EMR is time-consuming, expensive, and taxing on an organization. So, how do rural hospitals keep their EMRs up to date and build a strong foundation for the evolution of their systems in the future? With a skilled team, strategic investment at the right time, and often a great partner. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm JJ Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode 117 of Rural Health Rising. I'm JJ Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer. So, Rachel, today our guest is a friend of Hillsdale Hospital, someone I have had the pleasure uh, to get to know for nearly a decade now, uh, and certainly a great resource, and someone who thoroughly understands uh, the importance, the success, the implementation, uh, and really just the parameters around how do you implement an EMR that would be effective for a rural hospital. Now, there are some divisions here we have to talk about. I mean, this isn't mm-hmm. big health. Right. This is rural health. And Dave's going to talk a little bit about maybe the difference between, you know, when you when he implements this uh, in rural hospitals versus the big systems. But we have some unique needs, um, but they're not as, you know, overarching as big systems may be. But we're going to talk about that today. And the guest that we have today is going to do a fantastic job at explaining that relationship. That's right. We are talking with someone who has years of experience in this area and focuses on building strong partnerships that lead to better EMR utilization for patients and providers. Our guest today is David Wynn, Vice President of Parkview Connect at Parkview Health, located in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And welcome to your first time on Rural Health Rising, David. Great to have you here. Great. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to today's visit and and what an introduction. Well, you deserve it, and 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 don't let us down because I think this is going to be one of our most uh, entertaining podcasts. I think so too, uh, and most enjoyable. I think so too. So let's keep that introduction going. So, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at Parkview? Sure. Uh, I am, as JJ mentioned, the Vice President of Community Connect, uh, which is a program that we use for sharing the EMR system uh, outside of the Parkview Health System, which is where I'm working for. And uh, But I also have other roles while I'm uh, working at the health system. And I've been there uh, over 10 years now. And before that, I worked for some of the more major vendors in the uh, health information systems environment. So you could probably name the big brands, but it included hospitals and other technology and supporting components. So I've been with Parkview for, well, I'm in my 11th year now and still running that program. So, Dave, uh, when, you know, and again, this this is a national podcast, so it goes across the country. So let's just say someone's listening today. EMR stands for? Electronic medical record. All right. Very good. Just want to make sure we get some of the nomenclature out of the way <laughs> now, here. Now, do you prefer EMR or EHR? Oh, Electronic yeah. health Yeah, let's record. talk about that. Well, that is a good <laughs> distinction. Um, truthfully, I think the bigger picture would call it an EHR, electronic mm-hmm. health record, because mm-hmm. uh, it is a lot more comprehensive than just some of the subcomponents. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So, Dave, now that we've established who you are and what you do, a significant role. I mean, let's talk a little bit about Parkview in general, if we could. Uh, big system. Could you, could you kind of just explain to us, you have affiliate hospitals, if I understand. Uh, you span three states. I'm not sure if you're in Michigan or not, but talk to us a little bit about your system. Sure, a little demographic background yeah. on Parkview Health. Um, we are a 10-hospital system uh, with 
a good number of providers. We're over a thousand on our, our healthcare providers wow, and APPs. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. grown quite a bit over the last few years. Pretty much covering Indiana and Northwest Ohio as a piece. Okay. Uh, but recently, it was announced that uh, two hospitals out of the Bryan, Ohio area are going yeah. to be joining Parkview. So that'll make us at twelve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say decent size. You know, not yeah. giant. Right. Um, but I kind of refer to Parkview as a regional health system because you've got this true market in Northeast Indiana and Northwest Ohio, but you're not as big as some of these massive conglomerate systems that are out Mm -hmm. there. That's true. And and if you start looking at anything that had to do with acquisition, it was it's always been small and it's Mm -hmm. always been strategic. Right. And it's always been from health systems that felt like the culture and everything that they needed to continue their kind of design and business fit. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, So it's been a controlled growth, I guess you could say, over the years. Right. Yeah. So obviously big system, uh, big responsibilities, which we'll get into in just a minute. But as a person, I want to really get to that level right now. Um, We ask this on every podcast of each of our guests, and it's one simple question. It's called the why. Um, I want to know what motivates you, Dave Wynn? What gets you up out of the bed in the morning to do the things that you do? In other words, what's your why? Uh, That's an excellent question. And and I do think about this every day. It's probably just how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. Where the way I look at what I do in healthcare is I can't make a patient better, right? That's what doctors and, and yep. nurses and all the caregivers do. But I can help enable them to do a great job and make sure. other people better. Sure. So I like the fact that I have an ability, access, knowledge, experience, and the technology side of the house to put that into play. And that actually transcends now into the patient side, it right? Does. The, the, it does. That user experience with the patients is yeah. becoming so much more important. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. And working with hospitals that will come to me and say, we're struggling, we need some help, we need to do this better, and we can't go away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I look at that as a challenge, and mm-hmm. I really enjoy doing that. You know, you bring up a inter- interesting point, but one that is driving our industry, which is customer service. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's interesting. We live in a society today where we want it now. You know, we're, we're online. We want the shipment, uh, Rachel, that you're going online to. Your husband tells me all the time, you want it there within 24 hours. <laughs> you want it from, you know, the box store to you. Uh, Listen, and, why get up and go get it exactly. when it can just come to my front door? Yeah. Oh, what a time to be alive, right? man. And that's and that's really the, the way healthcare <laughs> has migrated. You know, we get calls and, 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 of course, you're leading that industry, I would say, in our region, David. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, we want access to our record now. Right. I get it. We want the portability of that record now. My goodness, it wasn't just too long ago, five years ago, patients were still presenting at Hillsdale Hospital to pick up their CDs. They still mm-hmm, do, actually, mm-hmm, in yes. some cases, yep. uh, to pick up their CDs and to pick up their imaging. And and those are the days that have gone by in your industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but isn't it amazing what that customer perspective has brought to our industry to drive it? I mean, I'm sure you have witnessed that uh, It it were from your perspective. Yeah, it absolutely has changed a lot. And and I will admit it drives me a little crazy that we are still dealing with some environments where it's paper. It is. Mm-hmm. Or we're, we're forcing patients to go grab CDs. We still are. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but go to the Best Buy or someplace and try to buy a laptop that actually has a CD player in it. Oh, Not yeah. happening. So if you can't actually run yes. the CD, what good did it do the patient or the provider that You're actually right. wants to view that? It's mm-hmm. a great, great, mm-hmm. great It becomes point. a bad thing. And I start thinking that impacts care. It's going to delay service. You're right. Medical decision making is going to start spinning off in a different yeah. direction because you can't do it. All of a sudden, what I've been talking about and what I do becomes a lot more critical. It sure does. Mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. does. Well, and I have to say as a patient, um, 
And we so we have uh, Epic in our partnership with mm-hmm. Parkview Connect um, for our clinics. And I was just talking to uh, one of our OB-GYNs this morning when I was at an appointment over there about some blood testing that I had done earlier this week. And I was like, oh, yeah, I saw the results before you even read them. And she's like, I know sometimes patients will message us because they think they're dying. And I'm like, well, I try not to do that because I assume if I'm dying, you will let me know. But I do love the other side of technology. Right, right. I do love being able to look at that information and see that quickly. And some of it is stuff that just for me as a patient, just the education of, oh, this is what is a normal range for this particular lab value. And, you know, when you're pregnant, your normal range is different. And that's not what shows up in my chart. So you got to be careful because you can scare yourself if you don't know what you're what you're looking at. But it is very convenient to just see a little message pop up on my phone that says, oh, view test results. And I'd be like, oh, cool. Let me go see what this says, you know. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And the just everything that it does. I'm a big MyChart fan. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's start by talking about Parkview Connect and Community Connect in general. What is it? How is it utilized? So Parkview Community Connect uh, is our using uh, the Epic EMR or EHR if you prefer that. Um, But that's the system we're using throughout our health system that includes all of the providers, all of the locations, all of the hospitals, all at the same time. We're all sharing the same instance, which basically means that wherever the patient presents themselves in any of our locations, they're looking at the exact same record, up to date, to the second, to anything that was added to that record. So that really streamlines and expedites care. Yeah which is the key point. So where Connect comes in is we have lots of hospitals that are bubbling outside of our region. Uh, In our market, it generally tends to be one hospital per county. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal that these hospitals yeah. have service, right? right? It, 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 the trauma that it creates on patients to get care and their family members to move to another location if they're not there became really critically important. But if as these patients are migrating through the continuity of care, the, the whole continuum, uh, having that same record, you can't beat it if mm-hmm. it feels like it's from the same place, right? Yeah. Right. So using the Community Connect program, we're working with independent hospitals that want to stay independent, want to have their own badging, their own culture, everything else. They just need a good EMR that they can't otherwise get from Epic. It's a little on the pricey side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what we do is run this program in any hospital, any hospital that wants to get a good medical record, Mm -hmm. maintain their independence, but also increase the care and the ability to have the access that JJ, you were talking about, has to be instantaneous, nice, smooth, transparent, that's the thing we do, and we go out and work with them. Yeah, and so uh, I think at one point when we were in our early discussions in our courtship uh, of our relationship, we had <laughs> talked a little bit about you know Epic as a potential EMR for us, never within our sites before because of the cost, mm-hmm. um, and you know there's a federal allowance uh, that you're you're allowed to give us a certain discount. Uh, in that relationship. But, you know, I, I remember, I think I was at lunch with you here in the boardroom and I had said, yeah, you know, Epic's a Cadillac of EMR. You're like, no, no, no. It's the Bentley of EMRs, you know. <laughs> I was just and, corrected yesterday by my husband for using that analogy about something totally different. But I said Cadillac and he was like, is Cadillac really the best? I know. That's <laughs> a, David said, did that to Try me. Rolls-Royce or Bentley. And I was like, oh right. my gosh. So so David made it clear to me <laughs> that it is the best. And, and, and that's why you, so have you always been involved only with Epic in your career, or did you go through a vetting process to get Epic to your facilities? So me personally in yeah, my career, personally. I've, I've worked with numerous have vendors. Okay. Right. Uh, a couple of them are still out there today as players, and a couple have 
moved on to other things, right? It's just mm -hmm. how the industry involves. I will say it's consolidating. Right. And if you were looking at Epic, um, it was a uh, – it's turning out to be probably the number one product out there on the market. Is it? it okay. really is. It, it has probably the most market share across the states, and that's patients and yeah. locations that yeah. you can find. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what happened was I was actually working for somebody else, and I had uh, been selling the uh, OR systems, so gas machines uh, for, for the protective and the software for anesthesia and surgery, mm -hmm. and did a nice job for Parkview. Apparently, they thought so because they kept me in mind. And when they bought yeah. Epic, and this program was an option, they needed somebody to pull it together okay. and let's mm -hmm. make it happen. Oh, so that's how it happened. That's oh, how it okay. happened. Yeah. Did not know so, that. Good thing that whatever I did before lasted and it worked out because I'm sure they would have dropped my name hot. Yeah, right. But they gave right. me a call and asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. And I mentioned earlier I like a challenge. And yeah. I got to actually feel like I was directly helping people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it just excited me. So I did it. Yeah. 11 years later, I'm still here. Yeah. So, so and, and I want to talk a little bit maybe for some clarity. Rachel's going to talk about Community Connect as its impact on the community. I want to talk about Community Connect in general. So... What is Community Connect? Why do you have the authority to give it to me? Can you talk a little bit about that relationship? Sure. So with the Community Connect program, Epic from the corporation set up the structure in how the software is designed to where we actually can carve out a slice. We call it a service area. So we can actually say, think of it as a record album and you've got 10 songs on it. Mm -hmm. we're, the, we're providing the record album. So the medical record is the album. So wherever you go, if you're on the same album, doesn't matter if it's location A, B, or C, you're still working from the exact same medical record. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all shared. But each song is to each location. Yeah. So we run it very similar. It was really kind of a clever design because you don't have to do any interfacing, no integration, none of the things that make it kind of a hairy ball mess if it gets right. too complicated. Yeah. So this seems very smooth and transparent. Enter in the federal government with stark relaxation and some of the other rules mm -hmm. that allowed us to do some donation for this purpose, right? The purpose was to get all these institutions, even if they didn't have enough money, on an electronic medical mm -hmm. record. Was this rooted in meaningful use? It was all part of the meaningful okay. use component. You've got it. And actually, there was a shelf life on this thing that actually just got cleared up a couple of years ago by Congress, now putting it into perpetuity. Oh, oh so, okay. so there was. So good news, JJ. Oh, I don't have sunset, to stop selling it no to you more. in a donation. Yeah, because I know there was going to be a sunset, potentially. That's and right. So gone. that's been, that's gone. The sunset's been removed as oh, of a couple of years ago. Did not realize that. Okay. And because it works so well across the country, they've added some of the things that we can still do, which would include things like security. Yeah. Cybersecurity is huge. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to help people do a good job in protecting that yeah. data. Yeah. You know, so so that's incredible. Uh, that's the program. Rachel's going to ask in a minute how that then impacts rule. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about um, some services. So uh, we we do not affiliate officially in affiliation. So when we think about M&As, mergers and acquisitions with Parkview, that's the benefit to me is that I can still maintain my independence. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just going to be very candid on the, on the podcast today that you being an hour and 40 minutes away or so mm -hmm. doesn't scare me from, from a position of, okay, they're going to know a lot about Hillsdale. Mm -hmm. You can know a lot mm -hmm. about Hillsdale me an hour and 40 minutes away, and my patients will most likely, most likely not ever see you. Right. Sure. And so it's that's the structure that I enjoy the most. Mm -hmm. uh, those that are in my backyard, I'd be a little more concerned with. Right. So um, understanding that we are a separate entity from you, 
you have we don't I don't have to ask you if I can purchase a piece mm-hmm. of equipment. Uh, the relationship is really just with the EMR, right. mm-hmm. just like um, any other vendor we would have. It would right? be. It's kind yeah. of a way to think about it because I do think when you get into two hospitals or right. hospital systems, people start to question. Wait, what is the relationship? But yes. this relationship is truly a vendor. vendor Relationship. Consumer. Yes. And so with that in mind, David, mm-hmm. you know, I want to I want to just ask, this is going to be the question that those listening across the country are asking right now. So without the relationship of what we'd call steerage, which mm-hmm. is legal uh, and relational, in other words, you're the tertiary center, you know, I'm the sender. Um, why would Parkview spend time, energy, effort and money to invest in rural hospitals like Hillsdale? to provide this kind of service? In other words, um, why is it important for you to offer that to us? Well, thanks, JJ. First of all, I think we should let the audience know that we're not the only ones that have this program. There are hundreds. Community Connect is an epic program that's available. Yes, hundreds of folks that are providing this as a host, if you will, Mm -hmm. and doing the same kind of sharing. Because I think you're going to find everyone understands the value of being able to have a medical record in all the right places and it having all the same benefits. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of tough to do the things you want to do if a software system's failing all the time or just yeah. not keeping up to date. Um, and Epic, is, this is all they do. And mm-hmm. and they've done it since 1979. So it's really incredibly stable. And, and all of us that use it really don't complain about it. It's just doing its yeah. thing. Yeah. That means that that's a benefit for all of you. So the key, though, is all these large hospital systems can't be everything to everyone. It, it doesn't make sense. When you think about it, when you've got facilities, they have a certain number of beds in them, right? Once mm-hmm. those beds are full, we can't do anything else. Right. Right. So it makes a whole lot of sense to have these rural hospitals out there in the market yeah. doing the services that they're meant to do. And it also makes a lot of sense to make sure that your beds are full. Mm-hmm. with the patients and Good the point. caregivers that need to be done here. And then when you need tertiary care, yeah. you send it where you need to. Right. We do have to declare that there's nothing in the work that we're doing, JJ, no. that requires you to send any referrals yeah. down. There's right. no steering Absolutely of any not. kind. Um, no. It is literally, if you send a referral, great. We right. hope it's because mm-hmm. of the relationship right. with the provider and the patient and right. the insurance company and whatever else is a factor because it was the right decision to Absolutely. do it, right? right? North, south, east, west, wherever they go, sure. it's great. And they're going to probably run into another epic shop. So the That's data right. mm-hmm. is easily shared between the two. Yeah. So why that makes sense for us could be, JJ, because you called me and asked. I and did. I would have done it. I did. Yeah. Um, but I did. Uh, we do get out into 100, 150 miles from where we are with yeah. Fort Wayne. But again, it's the same principle. Yeah. There are other services that maybe aren't going to be falling under uh, the, the stark relaxation and the yeah. donation programs, yeah. mm-hmm. but services that we can provide that we can still make it cheaper for you yeah. that aren't a loss for us. And again, anything that we can do to make healthcare more affordable for things that we can control with high quality is going to be good for everybody. Right. Well, and I think you made a good distinction. I knocked on your door and uh, we needed some help. And uh, I appreciate Parkview's willingness to consider us. Because uh, that was, you know, again, for you to come this far, you know, maybe it wasn't in your strategic plan at the time, but you actually took the time. Uh, I remember those facilitated meetings in our boardroom, implementation Mm -hmm. meetings, a lot of work 
that you put into it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your return on that was that you wanted to help rural health. And I think that's almost mission-minded. You know, it's missionary work, and Rachel and I talk about all the time that we mm-hmm. do here. But but I, again, on behalf of rural health, I want to thank you for that contribution, for seeing a vision, for going back to your leadership and saying, we got to help these guys out because, you know, they, they're good people and they need some help. And I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, I really do. I, it's been my pleasure, and and I just recently got blessed at the beginning of this year to take this roadshow, and there's many others that need it. Well, there's you know? so much out there, Dave. There is. I just read a Becker's report the other day that talked about almost 400 hospitals that are in the rural health, critical access type size, small hospitals yeah. that mean something to the communities that are on the jeopardy of not existing anymore. Closing soon. very soon. Yeah, and that, that bothers me. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, so go those hospitals, so go the economy of those communities. Yeah. And so go all of their infrastructure, uh, their ability to have roads and their ability to have government. All of that is impacted because we know in rural communities, we're the second, third, maybe even sometimes the largest employer. So if you can keep a hospital sustained in a rural community through this process, God bless you, man, because that is truly missionary work. So thank you for doing it. You're, you're welcome. So that leads perfectly into my next question, which is, you know, how does the collaboration that happens with Parkview Connect, how does that impact patient care and benefit the communities that your Parkview Connect hospitals serve? Because to JJ's point, there's the economic impact, but when you get down to brass tacks, it's the quality of life and the length of life for rural Americans. Mm -hmm. So when you start looking at just the rural care, the rural health care piece of this, and, and what's impacting this whole market, right? Social determinants of health, big thing. Insurance, you know, rural health communities tend to have a lot of self-insured, small mm-hmm. businesses, farming. They're not running with giant corporate insurance programs. Uh, it could be a lot of the federal funding components too, but that all ends up being how does the hospitals pre- able to perform the services and get paid, Yeah, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you can do the whole thing for free and yeah. expect to keep the doors right. open. Right. Um, but then you also have the challenges of how do you get high quality providers to come here? That's another one. Uh, it takes a lot to run a health system, right? We always think about the nurses and the doctors that are touching us and making us feel better. But you have hundreds of people hundreds. behind the scenes making everything run that yeah. we don't notice, mm-hmm. but we sure benefit from when we walk into the parking lot or through the doors. These all have to be impacted and counted for as well. So when it comes to the medical record system or the EHR or the things that we're doing with technology, technology is so important. How do we meet these patients where they need to be met? So at that point, I'm talking about how do we do virtualized care? Mm -hmm. How can you open up a session and have a video conference and not have to get in the car and drive? Mm -hmm. What if you can't get in the car and drive? That's a a big thing, too. Huge issue in rural. Uh, Rachel was kidding earlier about liking deliveries at her door within an hour. Yeah, right, exactly. Why can't you do something (laughs) with your pharmacy that way? Right. So there's a lot of components to this. Uh, You start getting into how does JJ keep his staff in nursing Mm -hmm. minimized because it's hard to get a nurse anyhow. Well, Mm -hmm. what if we were doing things like virtual sitting? Yeah. Right. The virtual EICU care. A lot of the stuff can be done remotely. It's going to take a good EMR system it and it's going to take good infrastructure and technology to make yeah. that happen. But we have to make sure that consumers can. And you had mentioned earlier about what is it going to happen when we don't have good Internet connection? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. It's we need the government to keep dropping these sure circuits do. down. We right. Sure do. um, mm-hmm. And until 5G comes out and we're doing it more like we do with our cell phones. Yeah. We've got to have that technology or really everything we're offering, JJ, isn't going to yeah. make a matter to yeah. those patients because yeah. they can't touch it. 
So, David, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've heard from some of the constituents around this county uh, and Congressman Wahlberg, our uh, congressional uh, delegate for Michigan in the 7th and 11th District. Anyway, uh, he uh, has come out in support of, you know, expanding fiber and some of those projects, which Mm -hmm. we appreciate. But, you know, 30 or percent or a little greater in Hillsdale County lack this infrastructure. Isn't that sad? Yeah. I have a manager, several managers, actually two managers, that if they're at home, they cannot receive a signal for their phone. They have no internet connection. Uh, That's a true story. So that is like, wow, this is still going on across America. Mm -hmm. And that is a significant challenge for us, to your point. Uh, The second point is of of transportation, when you can have those delivered services. Mm -hmm. My first introduction to EICU was you. Uh, I went to your hospital in LaGrange. Yes. Uh, and you had an EICU set up there. And I think your your intensivists were back maybe in Fort Wayne or even further Absolutely. Uh, places. And I really just was thinking, wow, is this even an option? And we've engaged in similar type uh, environment now, but it's just incredible to see what the technology can do. And the workforce, you're correct. Let me ask you a question. Has Parkview deployed any technologies um, so let's let's transition here. Um, you know, we talk about IT being EMR. There's so much more than that, right? Isn't there? Yes. I mean, there's a tremendous amount. Let's talk a little bit about that because uh, it's you're you're more involved. I realize as VP for Epic, but at the end of the day, IT encompasses far greater than just the EMR. And so Parkview had some interesting things. I don't know if you still have them, so I, maybe I should have asked you this before, but <laughs> you had robots delivering meals or something crazy. Yeah, uh, we still do. You still do. Uh, I want to talk about some of this stuff, how technology uh, has really been introduced in healthcare to either create an opportunity for workforce shortages uh, to mm-hmm. be met there, um, as well as just delivery of care. So can you talk to us a little bit about beyond just the IT being the, the, the EMR, what are some of the biggest issues in your area that you focused on in, in healthcare, IT infrastructures, data system deliveries that are unique and that you think then the second question is, how could they be applied to rural health? I would say that Gosh, what we're doing in the hosts' hospitals or the larger systems as they be isn't a whole lot different than what you're experiencing out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and really, the things that we're doing, we can apply to the rural health. It's just a matter of, is it practical? Does it make sense? Yeah. Does it fit the model in what you're doing? So in other words, does a robot really make a lot of impact in your location to have food Probably delivered not. to a room? Um, maybe not. No. And the personal delivery might actually be the With way you like With 10 patients or et cetera. Right. Exactly. Right. But in all the other areas, though, where you have to do more with less, yeah. mm-hmm. that's the parts we target. What is it that's going to do? Can we bring technology, information systems to bear? Yeah. How mm-hmm. can we make people more efficient? I'm going to go on a limb a little bit and talk about do it. data analytics, do right? It, we start talking about what all the data that's out there. It's massive. Mm-hmm. And we know a lot about care. Take away the patient names, but we know demographics. Yeah. We know a lot about them. Back to that social determinants of care. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? And wouldn't it be more efficient as far as whole care delivery, quality of care, so forth, that we might be able to have the system tell us, based on what we see on this particular patient, it looks like this patient's going to have these kinds of needs. Yeah. So we may have to prioritize this patient above 
somebody else, Mm -hmm. not in a way of actually delivering care, but we have to give them a little bit more focus and attention, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we're also getting them in and out as fast as we can. So by eliminating some of the guesswork, we can actually use data to help predict some of the things we should be checking for. So Mm -hmm. data really brings a lot of knowledge to bear. Mm -hmm. I like to talk about all those patients that were getting sick up in Flint. And remember the Mm -hmm. water situation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That started off with a doctor being curious. So she went and started taking a look, asked the data folks to pull this information. Let's find out what's going on with these patients. Where are they at? What zip code? What area code? What are their sources? What's wrong with them? And found out the source was all the same. It's coming out of the drinking water. So a little bit of testing after that, it turned out to be that's where the Flint issue was oh, sure. with the, the sewage wow. or, or the breakdown of all the yeah. piping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. That came from data. Someone had a question, the data's there, and that's all driven by the electronic medical record and what we can do with it. It's so amazing. when you start talking about how do you bring things to bear, sometimes it's about how do we do preventive medicine? Mm-hmm. How do we get ahead of the game instead of always being behind it? Instead of reactive, we're proactive. And I think that's a big piece of where we need to go with all this technology. But yeah, technology, it, there's a lot of it, but you got to use it wisely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What makes the most sense and what actually helps? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Does uh, AI in healthcare scare you? Scares me. <laughs> no, not in healthcare, but AI and chat GPT I know, scares I know, me. I, I know, will say but, that. but there's a lot of debate My right now. My husband knows and he laughs at there's me. There's a I'm tremendous like, amount of, of debate. David, right now in our environment about utilization of AI for treatment of patients. But I want your perspective. You're at this longer than I am, and you have the intel. Um, Scary, not scary? I think too much of anything can be a bad thing. So Mm -hmm. I would say from a conservative perspective, right, I'm a little bit a laggard in technology. I do not like to jump on the bleeding edge. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like to analyze and study. It's kind of how the mind works. Right. But I can see some great strengths with the AI. We just talked about, about the predictive we analytics, did. right? That's using machine learning. That's using all this technology yeah. to say, we think as a system, the doctors still have to decide. They're the key. But give them information so they can make a good decision is important. Right. But when AI gets to the point, as we were talking with G- ChatGPT, yeah. It can give you total outcomes. Yes. Now, that worries mm-hmm. me a little bit me too. because we have to remember that Human what element. the machine thinks, right. the doctor still owns Human whatever element. comes right. in under his name That's right. or her name. And if that doesn't match up, then something could go wrong. So mm-hmm. I, I would say I think it has strong potential. I'm not sure it's going to solve everything. Right. And I think that all the way through it, we have to be cautious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Well, I, it's only as good as the data and inputs that it gets, right? So even something like yeah. ChatGPT, there's been flaws. conversation and articles and things about is what ChatGPT is spitting back out biased toward this or that or more likely to say this or include this type of information or this type of linguistics even because of the sources that it's been given to learn from. So that's part of it too. You say it, Rachel, right. That's what we're talking about there is interpretation. Mm-hmm. Right. Data is black and white. But how does it match together and get interpreted properly? So we're going to mm-hmm. have a machine do it mm-hmm. and hope that it's right. Right. And I can see, though, where it might catch something that the human couldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. again, it's going to take someone who's going to be able to recognize that, yeah, that's new, unique, and right. Or do I just roll with it? Right. So you're probably going to know uh, what I'm going to talk about next. You're on the cutting edge of everything. Cutting edge haircut. You got the nice glasses. <laughs> uh, you probably need to drive a sports car today. But I got there's cutting edge stuff. 
that I that I was part of yesterday that I'm just I was so excited last night I couldn't sleep. We are entering an agreement to have our claims processed by bots. You ever hear this? Yes. David, this is incredible because they look at claims data over the entire system. They look at individual, even uh, facility. They look at provider. They look at diagnosis. They look at what has been paid in the past. And and processing of claims was always a manual process. Mm -hmm. And if the coder missed a key, Mm -hmm. we missed the revenue. Mm -hmm. And literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for hospitals like mine could be impacted by that because of a, a missed key. All right. Have you heard of this technology? And what Absolutely. are your what are your thoughts? Because this is more less human error. This is more about just looking at data uh, claims, mm-hmm. historical claims, mm-hmm. where the payer's paying, what is coded in for that particular diagnosis, and making sure we don't miss any of the CPTs. What are your thoughts on that? I really like it. I think it is... And it's been around for a while, so to, okay. to not be scared, it's not like something right. that you're just okay. on the bleeding edge right, for. Right. Uh, but it has been around for a while. But one of the things, if we look at it, what is it doing? It's taking a look at what the rules are, right? We're talking about rules-based things. A claim has to have this, that, and the other. Yes. It has to be matched mm-hmm. up against mm-hmm. the insurance health plan, the contracts. Yep. Yep. And as long as you can put rules in that are consistent, why can't a machine follow that rule, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's all programming. So I think you're going to find yourself with a lot less errors because you've eliminated the human piece. That's right. Where it gets into some curious parts on the coding aspect of it is where the AI piece comes in. How does it actually read all the documentation that was placed in there by the provider Mm. or even another system? That is true. And then come to the right determination and interpretation and then assign the correct That's where the error could be. There you go. That's where it gets a little bit south. But whatever is on the documentations that you're doing right now and you're ready to process that claim, it's going to – whatever Epic's not doing for you already, this piece will pick up the rest, right? So your claims that are clean going out to the insurance carriers should be much higher. And I would think with less denials, you're going to be a lot happier. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I'm excited. So that's one place where technology can actually help sustain rural hospitals like ours who lack the workforce to find the coders. Mm -hmm. And number two – if you can generate two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars back to the organization, that's the difference between profitability and loss for some right. of these rural. You hospitals. mentioned it. Mm-hmm. You you got to pick up what's being left on the table, and you want to get it in faster. Absolutely. It's all cash flow at that point too, yeah. right? It most right. certainly is. Right. Well, and we were um, talking to someone not too long ago on the podcast, and afterward, I was having just a candid conversation with her, and we were done recording, and she mentioned a rural hospital out in I want to say California or somewhere that had something like. $20 million in um, either unprocessed claims or claims that were in the that were being processed but hadn't been processed yet. And because of those outstanding bills, essentially, while that insurance company was celebrating its record profits in that region, um, that hospital ended up closing because of all that. And you think of, could this kind of technology help speed up that process so that they had $10 million or $5 million outstanding instead of 20 Yeah. I totally agree, and and that's got to be a reason why revenue cycle leaders across the healthcare plan are just not sleeping well at night. Yeah, yeah right. You know that's happening yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go as far as to say is drop this in and magically everything's going to be better. Right. right? right. We still have to look at the processes mm-hmm. that lead up to those claims. We have to make sure that everything's tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure the system's working the way it was sold to us yes. as being able to work. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. 
But so there's going to be a collaboration of all of your vendors that are involved, including mm-hmm. mine. Right. 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 And does it increase the throughput of the human elements of your process? Mm-hmm. Because if the bot takes the first pass, for example, you know, then when your yeah. person looks at it, then there's a lot less time that they might That's have right. to spend on it because right. the baseline's already there or, you know, what the, yeah. whatever it may be. And even in my own department, I see, find myself often I'm looking for platforms that will save me time mm-hmm. and take more manual processes mm-hmm. out of my day. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, uh, Rachel and I spend a lot of time in advocacy. Um, I'm on the Michigan Hospital Association uh, Board of Directors, and so I spend a lot of time really advocating for Rule. This podcast, which was uh, initiated for the purpose of talking about the importance of rural health in America, and then we spend time uh, on Capitol Hill uh, talking to you know our leaders in D.C. about important and critical. Uh, legislation that will help impact positively, hopefully, those that do not impact us positively, we're fighting against those, but how the Congress can actually give us uplifts and or incentives to help build our infrastructure. One of the things that Congress has recently taken up, as you know, is broadband. Mm -hmm. And it's been a hot potato at some levels uh, because it's a lot of money. Tech, You guys mm-hmm. cost us a lot of money. You know that technology guys? <laughs> uh, UIT guys, man, you you are among my least favorite uh, because it's Although always Although I think something. we're actually less than what you were paying before. Uh, yeah, but there's always this and we always need that. And so, so with that, you know, I don't know if you're following a lot in DC or if you do a lot of advocacy, I assume you do both at the state house and, and at the Washington, but you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, this broadband, number one, and, and the impact of some of that legislation as it relates to the rural communities you're working with? So, yes, Parkview Health System is extremely involved um, at state and federal levels. And we also have – so we have our full legal team. Sure. Uh, and they divide and conquer very well. Um, they do their best. The state of Indiana – has recently just enacted some new legislation that's not favorable to hospitals. Really? Uh, especially the not-for-profits, right? Um, I Haven't think heard it, that, so honestly. I think in their right mind that they feel like they're doing the right thing, but anytime it takes uh, money away from organizations like us, how are we supposed to keep up with those rising costs yeah. that you were talking yeah. about, right? You, we, we're all dealing with one big rule, less reimbursement, and a lot higher costs. That's right. Everywhere. Down That's why to it's the shutting our hospitals down. down across this country, right. regardless of their size. So I have to be a little bit concerned. Yeah. And I know that we're trying to do the right things, like just like you are, yeah. um, at, but at multiple levels. And we have uh, other organizations that do lobbying work on our behalf with others you know, at the uh, national level. So, yeah, there is a lot of legislation out there that you just yeah. mentioned that I've yeah. recently reviewed as well sure. that has positive impacts, I think, with yeah. rural health that includes broadband and, and some other funding that's going to really help the infrastructure. Yeah. We said it earlier today. We can do a lot of things and bring it to bear. Mm-hmm. But if the patient can't actually get into it to use it from their house yeah. or wherever they are, yeah. it's not going to do us any good. That's right. And it's got to be reliable. It's got to work. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a deathly fear of uh, virtual visits and a patient calling in and not being able to make that contact. Mm-hmm. The doctors aren't going to sit around for hours waiting for yeah. that connection to be made. Right. It has to happen. So we do everything we can to make it that if they call in and can't get in, my our service team will help them do everything we can to get it on, like right now. Yeah. So we take it that seriously as our organization. Mm-hmm. I think many do the same thing. But, boy, if you can't get off the get-go and get that even started— and it's not having to do with the hospital or right, the doctor right. or even the patient. It's that lack of internet connectivity. 
I want to follow up on uh, something that you said. Uh, so number one, I, I would assume that you're among the top four or five health systems in Indiana uh, for size. I would assume that. Um, but when COVID struck, uh, I would assume that was a busy time for you mm-hmm. as it relates to switching over to virtual. Did you have virtual visits before uh, COVID? And can you talk to us a little bit about your challenges during COVID as it relates to IT? Because you, we called on you guys uh, in general, IT in general, to fix a lot of our problems to get to the patient. Can you talk to us about that? Sure. I I have to admit, I, I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at, you know, with Parkview. And I'm extremely fortunate to have a leadership and partners in IS and IT that had vision. I don't think any of us saw this coming, right? We did not know that something like this pandemic could hit and have the impact that it did and take it a step further that we were going to have to send most of our employees home, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, We were actually able to scale up super fast. I mean, even down to how many laptops do we have on hand to help people out? It's just normal processes that we did that were already in place. Our virtual health team. That's incredible. Our virtual health team, you asked if we had it. Sure. We we always wanted people to do it. We thought it'd be a great idea. But because they had the setup to be able to do it, our infrastructure teams already had everything that was needed to launch it. We were out the gate fast, very fast. And we were able to do a whole lot of that. We sent, I think, 7,000 people home. I think that was the number, if I remember correctly. We're a 15,000 employee uh, organization as it is now. So remember, you can't send home the nurses and the doctors and all that. Everybody that's got to take care of patients. It was a huge chunk of the workforce. And yeah, that worked out great for us. I know that wasn't the case for a lot of places. No, it wasn't. And then they got in way over their head with the expense to get caught up. So by Mm -hmm. the time the darn thing was over, they were ready to go. Uh, I really will go back to, it's all about the team that we have in in Fort Wayne and in yeah. the area, and we were really blessed. But you had to transition 7,000 people home because they were still working. Mm-hmm. You know, Lori, uh, who is now retired yep. uh, from your system, uh, spoke with us. I think it was her last day that she was working or one it of the was. last few days. It was like days. the day before or the week before she officially yeah. retired that she yeah. recorded a podcast with us. And she talked about how she went through the transition of working mm-hmm. from home. Um, would you say you've returned 60%, 70 80 to the workforce I would not say that. Actually, what happens is when you start looking at the whole economy of what's happening, if you don't have to keep bricks and mortars to keep people that aren't taking care of patients but doing all the rest of the critical work and they could do it from home, why not? There's a lot of benefit. A lot of benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure, a lot of us miss the – eye-to-eye contact and and having those meetings and the water cool conversations. They're just important. They are important because there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know that, but I know I would have known that before. Exactly. And and that's, you were struggling like everyone across the country with this too. But we currently, as I understand it, don't really have a desire to make people come back. They're welcome to come back. We have plenty of places in in my building alone. We set up hoteling spaces for people to come in, plug in, do their thing, use all the resources, head out whenever they want to. Oh, wow. Super easy and smooth. So they can work on site even if they don't have a permanent office location. That's right. They don't need one. And that's anybody in the health system can come into my building just alone to get that and have all the resources they need. But I'd say most people are staying at home. I I like Mm -hmm. to kid that I got 55,000 square feet on my floor and there might be 10 people in it. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> oh, it's a penthouse for you. If you like to be alone, yeah, come join here. me. Join me too. Yeah, so come let's on, talk a little me. bit about joining your team. So uh, we face right now a shortage in healthcare among all the professionals, coders, 
nurses, administrators, you name it. Um, how is it in your environment for information technology as it relates to workforce? Are you struggling? We are. I'm going to put another feather in the IT guy's hat, and this is not to make my boss happy, but I have always said this. I think our IT team is very strong. There is a lot of talent. We have historically been able to do, and we do a lot of benchmarking, I should say that too, with Epic and other organizations. Sure. Mm-hmm. And people are usually shocked thinking the size, 12 systems, almost 1,500 providers, yeah. 100 and some locations. We're doing 6,500 square miles of coverage. How do you do that with so few people? Yeah, We don't have bloat. Right. That's a big thing. But we have a lot of talent. We can get a lot of things done. So, yeah, right now we're in a spot to where can we get talent? We can, but we're trying to run as lean as we can, spilling the same pressures that everybody else is. Mm -hmm. And I I believe it's working. Um, You can always solve problems with throwing bodies at it, right? That's an old adage. We can all do that, but it's not really the best way to go. But uh, we do well. We have sources, though, for contracted help. I think you're going to see the industry move into a lot more outsourcing. Mm. From one way or another, you mm-hmm. outsource to a bot. You just yes. have a machine doing your yeah, stuff. But you could have used people for yeah. that as well. So, it, again, is that the right move? Does it have the right economy? Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to cost you too much to do that? At the end of the day, we're still spending. So what's the best way to make this yeah. uh, effective? Wow. So our time has unfortunately escaped us. We could spend hours talking to you, Dave, about this. And today our guest, David Wynn, Vice President of Parkview Connect at Parkview Health in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, Also a good friend uh, to Hillsdale Hospital individually uh, and as an organization, a good friend to Hillsdale. I appreciate our friendship and the opportunity to get to know you uh, over the last almost decade. And the the effort, the time, the energy uh, that you've given to Hillsdale Hospital has been phenomenal. And we truly appreciate Appreciate it, David. So thanks for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. My hope is you'll come back and talk to us again. Oh, I'd love to do that. That would be awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And before we close, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. We want to know from your perspective. Now, I heard you say just a few minutes ago that your wife, maybe you didn't get a go, went up north to the Sioux. Is that correct? Did she go up north recently with the family or no? Um, we do Traverse City places of that. We love to go up there. Okay. There's some good skiing up there, but there's also a lot of summer fun. A lot of summer fun. And so (laughs) you're going to get me in trouble. No, I'm not. I promise. (laughs) So it's rule, right? It's rule. So I want to know what is your most memorable rule experience? This is rural health rising. You know, we're talking to folks across this country who've never experienced rule. So give us an example of maybe a fond memory you have of a rule experience. It can be health related or non healthcare related uh, that you've enjoyed. You know, I live in Indiana, but my family from my mom and dad's side is actually from Flint, Flushing, that area. So Michigan isn't really foreign to us. Okay. Um, And we like to come up to Michigan for a lot of reasons. I was just up here not that long ago to get cherries. Oh, yes. I love to pick them. They're amazing. And do things with them. And my wife is making me a monthly cherry pie because we have just enough cherries to pull this off. That's That's awesome. awesome. Uh, But when I can you go further up rural, there's a lot of rural. Right, we got yeah. great cities with excellent healthcare and, and super, you know, well organized hubs of care. But what happens in the other areas? But when you get up north, it, it, it everything feels home. I it don't want to call it homey and make it hillbilly because it's no, not right. that at You're all. Right. You're right. It's just not big city. Yeah, and and everyone's nice. You can find someone that'll point you in the right direction. Yes. The hospitals aren't difficult to get around no. in. That's one nice no. thing about the smaller hospitals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is really. Easy. 
it, it's not scary. Yeah. You know, you come in, you know you're going to get what you want, and you feel good. Right. You feel good going in, you feel good coming that's out. That's right. And that's one of the things we like about that. I, I certainly would see myself less of a big city person forever. Yeah. Um, and I think Fort Wayne's probably about the biggest city I see myself living in. Yeah. Um, anything else would be on that more rural, smaller side. So personally, I need to make sure there's plenty of rural health hospitals out there. That's right. Because right. I don't want to drive across five counties to go get some care. Exactly. Yep. Well, yep. keep up the great work, David. It's been a pleasure having you here on Rural Health Thanks, Rising. JJ. Thanks, Rachel. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.